Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone Podcast, featuring Jaguars.com senior writer John Osher and Jaguars executive producer Dave DeCandis. And we're going to get right to it today because we have two really good guests. We have Marcus Pollard, Director of Player Development, and Terry Rabisky, Jaguars running backs coach. It's a topic this week and a conversation that I've been looking forward to having ever since all the unrest began, ever since uh, the marches with uh, Leonard Fournette and the players in recent weeks. And I, in thinking about how to start the conversation, I've known Terry a couple of years and don't know him that well. I followed his career, but don't know him that well. I've known Marcus for 19 years. I covered Marcus when I worked for the Colts and he worked for the Colts. And Marcus, it strikes me that, you know, we've known each other 19 years. I've probably talked to you as much as I've ever talked to an NFL player. Um, I've sat in your office here at the Jags. I sat in the locker room with the Colts. But yet we never really talked about this issue. Probably not because of the way we feel about each other, but it's just been over time not something. If you ever got close to it, there was that sort of awkward, of, uh, where are we going with this? And when you're with the Colts, and I think you would agree with this, there was probably no more unifying guy in the locker room than you. I would walk into the locker room and I would see you talking to Edger and James and Reggie Wayne. You could turn around and talk to Dallas Clark and Peyton Manning with the same personality, same guy. But my guess is even with Peyton and Dallas and your white teammates and the Colts, this subject maybe didn't come up. Or if it did, probably didn't dig as deep as you have in the last couple of weeks. I guess that's a long-winded way of saying, do you feel, and uh, Terry, I'll ask you this too, do you feel like this time is going to change that? Or, or is that the hope? Is that the feeling? How would you address that? I guess the, the hope is, is that, um, that it changes. But if nothing else is starting a conversation, and I think okay. having, having the ability to, to talk to Dallas and talk to, to Peyton and then turn and talk to Edgen and, and Reggie Wayne in the same vein. Uh, but it's different this time. It feels different to me this time. Things that are, are occurring are different. Now you mentioned our march uh, as an organization and players, something that they wanted to do. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the first time in history in NFL, any professional organization, has done something to that magnitude. So to me, that's history being made in itself. So it feels different. And I think when, when you talk about having teammates that, even to you and I, Jill, we spent a, a bunch of time in office rapping and talking. I come by sure. the office and, and talk in your space. And so to me, the reason people haven't had those conversations because they're uncomfortable. Sure. And, so, and so now that you are having to face those uncomfortable conversations, now you can get things done because now if you go back four years when we were here with the whole conversation about Colin Kaepernick and whatever people felt about that, it was still basically what we're talking about now. But to me, this time, and based on Chris uh, Conley's words, this should not be a moment. It should be a movement. And if we're thinking about moving, that means this thing has to go continuously, not just stopping because there's a whole lot of energy and emotion surrounding it now but to me i feel like there are actually things you're getting done the mayor just you know ripped down some statues there in downtown to to take the mask off of some of the racism that's happened here in the past and no longer will we stand for 
what's been happening. And so when you can have those kind of conversations, they, they are going to be difficult and they should be because once you have a conversation with somebody and they don't necessarily feel the same view as you, or they didn't get an understanding of what you had to deal with is exactly what we need to have. I think I'll jump in here too, John is what's interesting too, is listening uh, to Marcus uh, because in, in hearing Marcus talk, I'm hearing um, uh, years later, you know, I'm hearing, uh, I'm hearing a different time. You know, when, when, when you hear Marcus said that, uh, hey, we're talking about a movement and, and, and we're talking about moving that needle. And, you know, Marcus said, well, maybe, uh, maybe there will be change. Maybe it will move. Maybe it won't. We don't know that, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm here to tell Marcus it, it's happening. Okay. I mean, it's, trust me, it's moving. You know what I mean? Because, and again, I've got to go, I've got to go a different direction with you guys. Uh, because I grew up, uh, I grew up in an environment where I didn't, I, it wasn't really, there wasn't white people in my environment. And now again, yeah. maybe Marcus's situation was different. Uh, I don't know Marcus's high school, uh, his elementary school. I don't know, you know, who was his classmates. I don't know who Marcus went to class with, you know what I mean? But I tell people, I grew up in a hometown of 2,500 people, maybe, maybe, uh, I, I'm I'm hard pressed to believe it was uh, 200 white people in my hometown. Okay. Uh, I went to a high school, my high school, very very small, about 400 400 students, and I never saw I never saw white kids in high school until we played them in sports. We 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 didn't do that. Even when America said uh, we're going to integrate, we had a lot of uh, our especially our good athletes. A lot of our good players left from us and went to the white school because they thought they'd give them a better opportunity to go uh, progress and 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 become better players and get scholarships. But nobody left that white school and came to our school. I mean, not even not even a cheerleader. You know what uh-huh. I mean? But then I, on the other side of that, uh, leave from there, and I signed a scholarship with one of the largest white universities in the world, in LSU. Right. LSU, right. Understand? So uh, I go from a hometown of uh, 2,500 people, two, 300 white people, to 25,000 white students on the campus, you know, and it was only seven of us when I got there. But from there, I left and went to the Oakland Raiders, and some of my best friends became, uh, became white guys. I mean, and again, you know, when I got there, they had just won a Super Bowl. So we all loved everybody, you know. So like you said, Marcus – talk to Peyton on one side and then talk to wing on the other side. You know, I understand that. I understand all of it. But the thing I'll say is the things I have seen in recent days, when Marcus said a minute ago, we were at the market yesterday when the mayor says that statue is coming down. So Marcus, you got to know it's, it's changing. You better believe, you better believe it's changing, you know? And that's why when I was on the step and I stood up and spoke and said what I said on Friday, mm-hmm. again, in my little bitty community back home, I think 1967 or 68, one of them two years there, we marched. We marched against an all-white school board because they had fired a black coach that we had. And yeah. we decided we was going to march and we was going to picket it. And what I'm saying is all my life at that little bitty school down in Louisiana, we were always – the second class group. We were always the blacks that didn't matter. You understand? Um, nothing we did to nobody mattered, but it mattered to us. 
You understand? And what I'm saying is for me is from my very first march, again in 1967 when I was 13 years old, Shad Khan and Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell was on the other side of that march for me. Those were the guys we were looking at and yelling at and cussing at and fussing at and going at. You understand? The thing that I have seen that's different is when you said a minute ago, you and Marcus have had a lot of conversation over the years, but y'all have never been able to talk about racial issues. Y'all never been. The thing that's been phenomenally beautiful for me is in Jacksonville as a Jaguar. I've sat with a head coach who's comfortable in that environment. Doug Marone is comfortable to sit down and talk about racism in America, not just racism in the NFL. Boy, that's a you've big, never seen that before. Never in my whole entire life had I ever seen that. You understand? And again, you know, I could tell you some of the head coaches I played for and head coaches I worked for, some of the greatest to ever coach the game. But to be able to sit down and have a conversation about the treatment of black people in America, I've only had one that's ever did that. And then the kick about that is to have a Doug Marone who can have that discussion and be open about it. Now, we're not sitting there using the N-word, but we're sitting there having a conversation, and this guy can talk about his feelings, his family, their thought process about blacks and how blacks are being treated. And then after I get up from that desk of talking with Doug Marone, I hear there's an owner of the same organization that stood up and talked about the racism he has seen. Mm-hmm. to him. You understand what I'm saying? So that is movement in itself that's unbelievable to believe that is coming from the top. You understand what I'm saying? So again, it's always been Marcus and I and other little guys whispering and shoo-shooing. But now to have, to have these big people that's at the top, top of their profession, to go back and say, Yes, I remember I saw this. Oh, my God, that ain't right. And to have Shad say, yes, this happened to me. You understand what I'm saying? This is unbelievable. And that's why I said today with the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's a phenomenal thing. And, again, I can sit and tell Marcus, it's changing. Believe me, it's changing. You know? Yeah, I think, I think when I was saying that, I was speaking about the change being more of, of a consistency. And not uh-huh. just for now, but okay, the, the statue come down today, and then three months from now, what are we doing to still move the needle? That's what I meant by by the change. I hope yeah. that change. How do you do that, consistent. Marcus? You know, I, I think you continue to have uh, tough conversations. I think you have to build legislature that allows. And that takes energy, right? I mean, that takes yes, effort and energy to keep doing. Yes, that. it does. Yes, it does. And to me, it's just like uh, Terry is a prime example of someone who came from a small uh, high school who probably was kind of overlooked, goes to LSU and plays well. It didn't happen naturally. It didn't happen easy. What Terry did, he worked at it. And he put himself in a position to be successful at LSU. To me, this scenario ain't going to be any different. It's going to take some hard work, grind, sweat, tears, bleeding together to really get it turned around. And that's the change you want, a more consistent change, not just, you know, fly by night. Everybody are still in their emotions about what happened, you know, 16 days ago. But here we are. 16 years from now, and the mm-hmm. hope is that it's a lot better. Because there's a tendency 
you know, with things like this, okay, we did the march, we did this, and people almost want to say, okay, now is that it? Because that's usually how the news cycles go and things like that. The things fade. You almost got to fight that feeling of letting it wane, right? And and right. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, so I can give you two two examples. As tragic tragic as 9/11 was, you can't go to the airport the same way anymore. Right. Right. COVID-19 has vastly changed how we do everything, interact, sports, watch TV, having these meetings. So this should be no different. If it changed this point at this point, there has to be that systemic change where we don't go back. We learn from what happened and keep moving forward. We can't just let it die down because it's been that that impactful, not just for our country, but if you look at the, the protests and the uh, things that are happening around the world, it's affecting everybody. And those folks mm-hmm. in London, they, they don't they don't know nobody from Minnesota, but it's about the right. movement, it's about the message. And that's what we have to be more consistent about. And to me, how you do that is you have to be consistent, you have to be diligent, and you have to have those people in place that are willing to continue to pick up the mantle every day. Do you think, Marcus, and Terry sort of touched on this, but I'd like to get your thoughts as well, Terry. How, you know, does the fact that Shad wrote what he wrote, you guys have been in a position to talk to more players than we have since it started. Does that resonate? Does that matter to them that he was on sort of the front edge of that or front edge, whatever you call that? Does that matter? Absolutely. 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 Um, I think any time, and I think Chris, Chris Conley talked about that a little bit one day on the meeting on the machine where he was saying, and, and, and we all know that feeling. I think Marcus knows it too. He was saying, Chris was saying kind of a, a back in the day, five years ago when they were taking a knee, he was in Kansas City. And he, I think, and Marcus, you can help me with this, but I think he was saying a little bit of uh, the stress that came from him taking the knee and every day had to talk to the PR guy and every morning had to express himself to somebody and be yeah, kept asking, do you, are you going to take a knee or you're not going to take a knee? What are you going to do? Yeah, he said he got, got frustrated with that. got frustrated with it. And I think that wears on you. You know what I mean? I think that 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 in itself, every day that thing wears on you. You got to tell the PR guy, I'm going to take a knee. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Well, you got to speak to this. You got to do that. But when you sit down and say, hey, guys, we're in Jacksonville. There's an owner in front of you that said this happened to him and it's wrong. You know, I mean, he said it kills lives, it kills hope, it kills dream, it destroys community. You know what it is? You don't need to look over your shoulder. Right. Because the guy who's in charge of this, he's in front of you. So I, I got to believe, again, I keep saying, I hope it resonates to the players like it do to me because I didn't been on both sides of that fence. And I know what it's like, you know, when you're looking over your shoulder to see, I wonder if my big boss heard me say that. You know what I mean? And and this is one of those, my big boss said it. He didn't hear me, he said he said it. And the kicking right. part for this is we, we've kind of got a tag team going here. When one big boss, when one big boss isn't there to say it, the other big boss is there said it. The first day we walk, you know, a shot had already released his press release, mm-hmm. but he wasn't there for the march. You understand? And again, I'm gonna go back and say it again, to have Doug. Marone, uh, stand in front of that Jaguar statue 
that same statue outside the gate. And for him to just be able to tell the press, I have never been black. I won't know what it'd be like to be black in America. I don't know what it's like to raise black kids in America. He didn't have to say nothing else. He didn't have to say nothing else. If that don't resonate with the people who's following him, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Marcus, did you, um, did you get the same vibe, I assume, because you were closely with all the players. Yeah. I'm assuming you got sort of that same vibe from the players during that of, okay, what Terry's talking about. Doug supports this. Doug's on board. And that's a different, you know, it's hard to put that into words, but I guess you just feel it as a player, as as, as somebody in your position. Yeah. You know, to me, when Shy came out with a statement and then Coach Marone followed it up with what we're doing now, having an action. I don't think you have to say anything. I think there's a genuine feeling uh, amongst the players that they feel, and Coach Marone said it. He said, if you guys are active in protest, you don't have to worry about getting cut. If you get cut, it will be because you weren't good enough. It won't be because you're protesting. And to me, that in itself, to me, has to be comforting because part of the reason we got here is based on something that everybody knows. Peyton Thompson said was probably not a fair – accurate statement uh, about Coach Marone and Coach Marone felt some kind of way about it, which I totally understand. But had not Peyton made the statement, could Coach have gotten where we are now? I don't know. But the fact that he did, to me, says a lot about what we are doing and that people are changing the thought process behind this whole thing and changing to have the head coach, the GM, and the owner feel so passionate about what we're doing. It makes it easy for the players to want to walk and do whatever they feel comfortable doing and speaking their minds, as Linder did in the protest, as Chris Conley mm-hmm. got up and so eloquently put his message out there for everybody to hear and doing his history and, and research before he even spoke. So to me, that's part of it. And, you know, John, let me add this too, sure. is that being in my position as a youth football director as well, I've kind of got to do AAU basketball coaching. I know a lot of high school football coaches. Well, I was asked recently uh, to be on a call with about 25 or 30 local high school coaches and a few college coaches. And based on what I've experienced in my short time in the 16 days since uh, George Floyd's death, I talked to them about three things that I thought are actionable steps. And to me, a lot of times people always talk about, you know, here are the issues. You know, blacks are being killed by the police. There's economic divide. You know, there are a whole multitude of things that people are concerned with. But the three things I encourage those folks on that call was, first of all, we have to we have to listen. You got to listen. First of all, you got to listen. Coach Marone has done a phenomenal job. Hey, I don't know. Tell me what I need to know. I've never been black. I don't know what it's like to have black kids. I don't know what it feels like to have a black kid leave the house driving a car and may get pulled over and beat up because simply because he's black. Listen, you have to learn. And to me, to get a real genuine understanding, you have to take yourself back, although it may be uncomfortable. Chris Connolly reminded us of some of the history that we attach ourselves to as Jacksonvillians. Chris reminded us of those tragedies. Until you learn, you can't do any better. And the third one is you have to lift. And I think that's where we are now. We are, we've listened, we've, we're learning, and we'll continue to lift, not just the heads, but hearts, but everything that comes with that. And that's what you have to continue to do. Listen, learn, and lift. And to me, that if we can continue to do that from now on, we're making traction. When the, uh, the unrest and the situation 16 days ago, when this first started becoming a topic with the players and you guys were on the zoom calls, I'm sure it was a topic fast. Did you expect it to go this way? Uh, 
I assume at first there had to have been sort of a nervousness of, hey, what's going to happen here? How is this going to play out? Will this be divisive? I'm assuming those feelings were strong, I guess is what I'm asking. And how hard was it to get to where it was about conversation and you found productivity? And I guess I can ask you both. And 16 days ago, um, guys are really frustrated, mad, just trying to figure out Emotional, what to do. Sure. Yeah, you know, quite frankly, simply emotional and what to do. But in that, having these Zoom calls, and again, I, we, we keep throwing it back to Doug Marone, but he's been awesome. He really has been because, you know, once we start talking about what can we do as a group, coaches like later for meetings. I know we got to win football games. I know we got to learn the offense, defense, and special teams, but this is bigger than football. And when you hear that and you hear the head coach say that to a, a team that's hurting, now you're showing empathy. And now guys are like, okay, I can rock with this dude. So even, even, even in the midst of having that sense of, of, of anger and uh, hostility and emotions, you got a guy who's white. Say, okay, I understand. This ain't my football no more. What can I do to help y'all? And when you get that kind of connection with a head coach and a team and an owner that says, okay, and a, and a mayor and a sheriff that says, okay, now you got a bunch of people moving in, in the right direction. Terry, I don't know how you feel about that, but. No, no, I agree. I mean, I agree with you a thousand percent. And, and again, I can, I think I can kind of, I can kind of do like you do and piggyback you. And uh, I guess somewhere in there, we, 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 we got to get tired talking about Doug Marone. <laughs> but, uh, I think the big thing about that, John, is, and, and I'm going to go back with, with you on something else too, but the big thing about that is when you're sitting with, when you're sitting with Doug, and and when Doug is kind of sitting out talking about, and let me just be a little frank, like he said it, I'm sitting my fat ass on the couch. <laughs> you know, when he's at home sitting his fat ass on the couch, he's got a wife that's going to say, no, you're getting up, let's go, we're doing this. And then to hear him say he walked with his kids. Mm-hmm. When he tells that football team, I got up and walked with my kids because my kids said, Dad, this ain't right. And this wasn't a and it was a and this was a protest that wasn't even associated with one of the players or the organization. It was the one that was just in the community that he wanted to be a part of. Yes. But again, the thing the thing I'm gonna say, the thing I'm gonna say, John, is this. And and again, like I told Marcus a minute ago, um, you know, uh, my, my forty six years forget the forty six years in the NFL, but my sixty five years of life and to come from where I came from to see where the world is today. Uh, it's it's changing, it's forever changing, and 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 there's a million things that's changing every day. You follow me? And 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 I guess John, look at you and I, those dinosaurs here now. Uh, what's happening is <laughs> we we sit down looking at those changes, and 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 as they tell you with the earth, you know, if you don't step up, you'll get swallowed up. Uh, you heard Marcus said a minute ago, right? Uh, Marcus touched on two things, and as soon as you said, I thought about two, three others. Marcus said the way we walk through an airport. Has changed forever Be- because of what, Marcus? 9-11? 9-11, yes, sir. 9-11. He said coronas. That's coronas disease. Cor- yes, sir. That, that's, that's really, really recent. You know what I mean? That's really, really recent. That has changed the world forever, you know? Listen, years and years ago, it was something came up. Immediately something came up about cancer. Cancer changed the world forever. Now, let me give you another one. Listen to me good now. It's another one that's a sleeping giant that I kind of watch America, keep my eyes on stuff. 
they are world changers. There's a thing that, that's going on right now is that Me Too movement. The respect for women, you understand? That's a hell of a deal. And I'm going to tell you, if we as Americans don't keep an eye on it and respect it and learn to, learn to love it and understand it, you got, it'll swallow us up. You know, because that's big. That's big. I mean, you see what's going on with that. And, and John, I can tell you, that's a hell of a movement, too. It's a lot of things that are really, really stepping forward and changing the world and changing the world. And I believe where we are in football today or where we are in society today and what's going on in society today with this guy's debt, with Mr. Floyd's debt, I don't think we're going back. I don't think they're going to ever change how we go through the airport. I don't think the Me Too movement's going to ever go away. I don't think, I don't think we're ever going back. I think where we are now, we, we, we got something going. I think that snowball is rolling down the hill. It might get a little bigger and it might slow down a little bit, but I don't think mm-hmm. we're ever going back. You talked about you know, you had your first march when you were 13. It does sound like there's part of you that's pleased with what you're seeing and hopeful about direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because just exactly, exactly what Marcus touched on a minute ago is every day we're becoming more and more open to the conversation. And I think again, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop after this, but I think again, when everybody <laughs> Doug here, when everybody here sees Doug Marone and Shad Khan and even David Carwell, when they see them sit down and talk about it openly, mm-hmm. openly, man, that's about as, that's about as progressive as progressive can get. And, 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 and I'm telling you, uh, it's impressive. Yeah, let me let me let, let me add this too. Let me add this too. Uh, the other facet of my job is player engagement. I talked about you football a little bit. The other part is uh, is a very unique group in player engagement. There's only 32 of us, um, and we often get together and share best practices. And we've had calls recently about what we're talking about now, and I find it so disheartening and saddened that organizations are not having these conversations. How can you not? How can you not have these conversations? How can you not feel that there are some injustices across the board and not so have you these get the idea that this isn't going on everywhere, Marcus? Oh, I know it's not. I'm telling you for a okay. fact. That's why I included the player engagement. Because there's sort of an impression that it is. It's not. It's not. Okay. It's not. It's not. A lot of people are, are talking, but okay. nobody are lifting. Remember when I talked about lifting? lifting. Nobody's okay. lifting. And those organizations, ain't nobody lifting. They right. listening. Right. They learning, but they ain't lifting at this point. If you're going to make a change, you got to do all three. Right. And some of these organizations are not doing it. As I said at the top, there's so many areas you could go to, and this could be a week-long conversation. But I'm curious about what you guys have learned about the players. I'll ask you first, Terry. The players that you coach and the players that you've talked to the most. Obviously, everybody knows you have a great relationship with Leonard Fournette and you were there. What have you learned about your guys, I guess, as men through all this? I think that um, uh, I think uh, on the line what Marcus is saying is they are listening, they are learning, and they're willing to lift. I think they are. I think the other side of that is they're not afraid. They're not afraid of a challenge. They're not afraid of compete on the field and off the field. And they're vocal. 
and they're not afraid, especially Leonard, which I think I already <laughs> knew, he's not afraid to be out front. You know what I mean? He's not afraid to be out front, and he's absolutely not afraid to stand up and speak about what's right or what's wrong. And again, I think for Leonard, his mindset is, you know, wrong is wrong. Color don't matter. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And he's not afraid to do it. I think the thing that was very, uh, very touching for me uh, yesterday, Marcus, at Leonard's March, the thing that was very touching for me was to be able to see Leonard stand up on a step with the mayor and say, this is my second home. Oh, boy, yeah. I want Jacksonville to know. I want Jacksonville to know this is my second home. And then I looked at the crowd and whatever it was, what it was, Mark, two, 3,000 people? Yep. And I'm like, well, I don't think his first home lacking that much. I mean, I know some people <laughs> his first home. You know? So that was impressive for me. But um, to see him there, to see Q was there, Raquel was there, uh, Chris was there, to see those guys there with each other, supporting each other, uh, and, and the rest of the team, not just those three running backs, just the players themselves, to see that uh, the players – to see the players uh, more open-minded and more willing to stand up and speak up and say something and do something is, is just uh, it's a blessing. This will forever change this group. I mean, and I try to make it about football because it's about bigger than that. But people watching this do care about the Jaguars, people listening to it. It's going to change how these guys feel about each other and uh, I guess relate to each other probably for the rest of their lives won't it, on some level. I mean, being a part of this together will matter. I agree 100%. You know, oftentimes when people have adverse situations, it brings them closer. In a relationship, in a household, and sports are no different. And when you have something that's as powerful and as impactful as racism, and you have every guy standing on that line that says, it don't matter what color I am, what's wrong is wrong, what's right is right, you start to build a bond and a unity that will pass the next 25 years. So whether this team goes to the Super Bowl or not, they will have something special that they can always look back at and say, you know what? I was a part of that. Back in 2020, I'm 65 years old, but I was a part of that first ever march in Jacksonville that I hope made a difference. From now on, doesn't matter about a Super Bowl. doesn't matter about who gets Super Bowl MVP. At this point, for what they've accomplished, they have something much stronger bond than any game they ever play in or win. Because it strikes me, this you know, every time Doug talks this offseason, he talks about what a young team this is. Mm-hmm. But it it strikes you, and again, I've not been in the Zoom conversation, so I haven't heard it. But listening to you guys, it strikes you that there's a lot of young guys who are maybe a little more mature beyond their years, and maybe I'm making too much of it. But but it sounds like for a young team, they've handled or approached this situation, I guess, pretty maturely. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it feels like that from what you're telling me. And I, I agree with that 100%. I don't know how Marcus feels, but uh, like you're saying is uh, to hear DJ talking, you know, DJ's a third-year guy, you know, to hear DJ. Right. Chris, I understand, you know, I see Chris like an old man, you know, and uh, Chris has been through it, been to a couple places and seen it, but like a DJ steps up and say what he says, you know, even Leonard in my mind. It's still, you know, young, you know, in the business to hear him speak up. This morning, uh, Charles spoke up. Charles is a, a tight end from last year. Uh, just came Charles, in yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, Charles is just was just a rookie uh, last year, and he spoke up this morning. You know, so 
Uh, but again, now let me say this to you. And <laughs> again, I said I wouldn't, but I think those guys are, I think those guys are open with, uh, open with they, with they thoughts and talking because there's two guys at the top. The two leaders at the top is open that forum. It's it, right. open that forum. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, it's just, it's just the way of the world. You know I mean? I could, like you said, we could do this show for two days. I could give you some stories. <laughs> I mean, I could give you some stories. You know what I mean? But uh, it's 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 hard. But I think again, when you got the two owners up front, the guy that we that I'm on here with, Marcus, has been phenomenal in leading those guys. Uh, Marcus has been been fabulous communicating with them, uh, taking down their notes, uh, taking down their ideals, and then bringing them to the table and saying, "Hey, speak up! You know, speak up! We got you. We here. You know what I mean?" Yeah. And then every Everything that's been said, everything that's been said, uh, everything that we've done, everything we've followed, every pattern that's been set has been done through Marcus. And he's been at every march. Every guy has seen it. And let me give you another one. Uh, we started our meeting this morning. Uh, we get on the computer this morning, and Mr. Khan came on there this morning. And when Shad came on, he said, Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. And everybody's like, well, come on, Marcus, say something. Come on, come on, say something, you know. <laughs> but just for him to say, okay, Marcus, go ahead. Tell me what you want to do. Hey, Marcus, tell me, shut up if you want to. I mean, that gives credence to Marcus, which he didn't really need it because he's been doing it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But when you got, you know, when you got owners, when you got leaders, you know what they say? They, they, let me tell you what they said in life. They said some of the greatest leaders in the world are the guys who want their followers to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's the case here. You know, I think we got leaders that everybody want everybody behind them to succeed and to be a part of that success. Right, easy to say <laughs> that, but it sounds like the team's been showing it. Absolutely, yeah. Josh. Absolutely. Let me add, let me add something to to Terry. Uh, when we, we talk about guys maturing and us being a young football team, um, but when I look at it, DJ DJ Chark, twenty two, twenty three. 24, maybe Leonard, 24, 25. Some of these guys are young football-wise, but 25 years black. And gotcha. you don't need the experience to, to speak on, on being black. Things that these guys are talking about, Charles Jones, 20, 21, 22, how old he is, you've had enough experience of being black and what you would like to see change and what things that you can provide to help bring about that change. And so guys that have been stepping up in the meetings not have been all not just black guys, but guys in general, no matter – how many years in the league they've been on this earth long enough to know right from wrong. And so when you talk about guys stepping up has nothing to do with football about being right. black or being, being a, being of an age where they know the difference between right and wrong and got dog it. We about time to do something about it. Guys, like I said, it, it's a conversation that we can probably have every week and be fascinating and talk about a million different things. But uh, I can't thank you both enough for taking the time, for sharing. Um, I guess I would ask you both before we close, is there anything that you guys feel is important on this topic that we haven't covered today? Uh, and if there is, feel free to share. If not, we can close it up. Terry, you got something? I got something if you don't. Go ahead. I'll think about that. I, I hadn't thought about <laughs> it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sure. Go okay. Ahead. So, so, John, I, I feel this, and I'm, I don't fancy myself a politician but your vote is your voice. So I encourage everybody listening to this. It has nothing to do with what's going on, but to me, if you want to see change, you have to put people in position to help you make that change. They have to have the same 
thought process. You use the same kind of mindset as you believe the same things that you believe. Otherwise, your voice goes unheard. So I'm encouraging everybody everywhere. We are running this huge campaign within our own organization to make certain that every player, every coach, every staff member, everybody's registered to vote. And then we're going to take that and we're going to branch out and go all across Jacksonville and making that mantra about, about voting because it is so vital to change. Gotcha. I got nothing to follow up on that one. I can't follow that. That's for sure. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, fellas, the world is, has changed since we were all together uh, on the rubber hallway. But uh, again, both of you, I appreciate you uh, digging deep and uh, sharing some memories. I think, the, I think the listeners will enjoy it as well. And uh, I think people are going to learn a lot from it. Terry Rubisky, Marcus Pollard, I can't thank both of you enough. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Jail. Appreciate it. Dave, that was very interesting to me. And I think a lot of fans are probably a little bit like us in that I think they saw Terry talking about it on the steps of uh, the sheriff's office last week. And they've maybe seen some stories and seen snippets of both Marcus and Terry talk about this issue. Maybe not Marcus, but certainly Terry. Um, but the reason I wanted to have them on was to spend 35 minutes or 40 minutes talking to them a little bit more in depth about what inspired them to say the things they had said and to do the things they had done last week. As I said at the top, I've known Marcus since 2001. I, the first day I was at the Colts, he signed his second contract. And I did the story on him signing a second contract. He was always a guy in the locker room who I would go talk to. I probably talked to him a hundred times over the years, but as we mentioned, never talked about this because you just usually don't go there because as soon as the topic comes up, there's a little bit of a, you know, I call it the breath hold where you kind of suck your breath in and go, all right, where's this going? Yeah. You know, I've been friends with Marcus for a long time, but you don't want to go there because you just don't know what's going to get set. So that feels like where we're going with this or where the, the conversation needs to go is maybe have a little bit less of that a quick suck your breath in tension when you're talking about these things and i hope that when people listen to what was said for the last 30 45 minutes maybe they get a little bit of that too of okay there are there are things here that we can talk about and make progress with and uh you know i'm wondering what your big takeaway was from what you heard from Terry and Marcus. Yeah, uh, I kind of agree with you as far as, you know, the last few weeks and all this craziness and all the tragedy that's happened, maybe this is a positive byproduct because now it's making people feel like not necessarily more comfortable to talk about, but giving a place to talk about it and, and trying to get some sort of common ground and see where other people are coming. And, you know, that's the one thing with like you were saying with Marcus. Marcus kind of like, I always kind of feel like he's like the friend of everybody in the building. You know, he, you kind of see him on the business side all the time, talk to people. And for have someone who, who's like that to be talking about issues like this, it's almost uh, makes it a little easier because he just has sure. that personality. Um, and my biggest takeaway is uh, too, is kind of everything uh, Terry said about, about coach Marone and, and Marcus echoed that is, is, giving them a platform and a sounding board where, where 
Doug Marone just listened to them. And sure. sometimes that's all you need to do in these situations is listen, listen and, and be willing to help them elevate their message and, and be a part of it. And uh, I think, you know, when uh, the Jaguars did their march uh, a few Fridays ago, uh, I was there and, uh, you know, I felt really proud of the organization, proud to be a part of it. And I'm glad too, John, that you suggested to, to have both these guys on the podcast to kind of continue this momentum. And like Chris Connolly said, he said, don't let this just be a mo- moment, let it be a movement. And I think the Jaguars are doing everything they can for it to be a movement, um, including with Coach Rubisky talking and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and Marcus. So uh, it's been a pretty uh, emotional week. And I think we're, we're starting to see things, byproducts of all that emotion come out to be right. in a pot to be more positive. I hope that people listening to this can maybe get a better understanding of the depth of conversation and how the conversations played out. And I guess what I mean by that is I think most people when they consume the news on this about what the Jaguars have done, the the two marches and some of the things being said they're reading a story or they're seeing a two or three minute soundbite from Doug Marone talking in front of the uh, Jaguar statue after the first March, or they're seeing a Chris Conley's speech, which are all very impactful. But I think in this 30, 45 minutes that we spent with Terry and Marcus, maybe people will get an idea of the depth of conversation that took place during that time of how Doug reacted when these things first came up. And that's why I asked Marcus about 25 minutes in, tell me about how this first started. Did you think it was going to play out this way? Were there some nerves when these things first started getting said on Zoom Zoom calls? That's when Marcus said, Doug really took the initiative stepping back and saying, look, it's okay to talk about these things. We can step away from football for a little bit. I want to hear it. I don't think you can fake that vibe that it sounds like Doug gave out. Um, and I think, I hope that's what people take away from this as much as, that, as anything is how the Jaguars as a group got to where they wanted to do what they did. I'm calling it the first Friday, uh, a couple of Fridays ago with the first March, how those things came about. And I guess the sincerity and the genuineness of everybody involved. Uh, that's what I took away from what Terry and Marcus were saying is, you know, the players involved with this immediately felt from the organization. And so did Terry and Marcus. Look, we really want to hear about this. We're not just giving this lip service. We're not just doing this because it's the thing to do. Um, so I think that was what, if I learned anything, I think I got a bigger appreciation for that. So maybe fans did too. Yeah. It's cool that uh, these organizationally, it, it's come from the top down as far as what the Shad Khan op-ed that came out before then. Right. It, it gave everybody the forum where it was okay to talk about it. And I think, you know, a lot of good has come out of just people opening up and listening and talking to each other. I think, too, you know, a byproduct of this, it'll probably unite this football team and a good small start with a very big, big issue. And I'm proud to, to work for the Jaguars and proud to have have some small part of it. 
I can't say very much uh, about it that's better than that. So we'll wrap it up. Uh, I want to thank Joe Fortunato for making this sound good. Dave DeCandis for making me look good or sound good. Probably can't make me look good. Um, and that's it for this week's Ozone Podcast. I don't think this one sucked at all. I think this one was good. Thank you.